He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping and equipping parents as well as children's ministry workers that disciple the children that are within their reach. We're glad you can join us today. That were hosted by myself, Tony Tresoni, the family pastor in Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland, as well as Ben Pawaz, the family and children's discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. Wonderful, Ben. How are you doing today? Ah, uh, doing okay. Doing okay. Um, enjoying the, the, the weather's turning a little bit cooler, but we're still it's still fairly warm out there. But you know, get the reprieve at night. So, how about you? Yeah. Doing pretty well. It has been quite warm as well up here, surprisingly unseasonably warm. It's been sad to watch the Orioles pretty much burn apart as well as the heat's turned up. You know, the Orioles were (laughs) pretty much leading the wild card about a month ago, and now I think they're leading the Little League uh, to the division they're in. (laughs) Well, yeah, the the Braves are like 25 games behind... uh, they have a shot at finishing in second place. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. So speaking of hot, though, you know, that does really, when we talk about heat, especially in unseasonable times, I think of the heat of hellfire, and it makes me think of maybe a chick track uh, that might be particularly terrifying. And I think that's a good reminder as, as our topic today is called chick track or treat. Uh, kind of a play on trick-or-treat, and we're going to be talking today about uh, Halloween, the spooky holiday, and what that means for parental discipleship, as well as children's ministry workers, and kind of hashing out some biblical and theological arguments related to Halloween, as well as related to uh, chick tracks, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Reformation, right? Sounds good. So, with that, uh, you are you eating any candy right now as we're going to talk about trick-or-treating? Uh, no, I have a peppermint sitting here on the table next to me, but uh, haven't it, it would it would not be good audio. So okay, that'd be a good point. Now, what is your favorite trick or treat candy? Ooh, that's a good question. I I do like Snickers. Um, you know, I, hmm, I like Starburst, Skittles. You know, I just try not to get into it too much because it's dangerous. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just glad you're not in anything vegan with that. Which Oreos are, by the way. <laughs> So. That's true. That's true. A little known fact. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so for, for me, I think my favorite candy I might get on Halloween would probably be those Reese's Cups, the hollow, that uh, Halloween Reese's Cups. I especially, though, like Snickers now has peanut butter cups. They have like a Snickers peanut butter cup. So it's kind of a combination of Snickers and Reese's and, and a best Ooh. of both possible worlds. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that sounds really good. Actually, I remember when uh, we lived in Kentucky – we had a neighbor who came out with a bowl of European chocolates. I mean, these things probably would have been 2 or $3 a bar, and he had a bowl full of them. I thought, man, the kids are not getting that. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, anyway, now to talk about kids. Uh, did you trick-or-treat or celebrate Halloween as a kid? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it was never a huge deal. Um, we never spent, like, tons of money and decorated like crazy, but put a costume on and went around the neighborhood and, you know, had some seances here and there. You know. <laughs> That's good. <No. laughs> Pretty terrifying. So, How about you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely did as a kid. Uh, and some years, frankly, I think I did a little more tricks than treats uh, that uh, I won't go into details on that for the sake of not giving my children any ideas. 
Could you get in legal trouble or <laughs> perhaps that's possible, but the uh but before Christ, you know, I was known for that kind of antics. But uh the I indeed I liked it no matter if I was getting treats or if I was uh doing tricks of some sort. I liked Halloween a lot growing up. Uh you know, I had to get me my butterfingers. I like butterfingers the most probably as a kid. They didn't have that mm. amazing Snickers Reese's combination that is delicious yet. Uh that great innovation did wasn't invented quite yet. One year I was growing up, I did do a Halloween alternative. One Halloween, I think my parents were out of town and some kind of convention, and we were with my cousins, and their church kind of had a Halloween alternative. Uh, rather than, I don't even know what it was called. It was something else other than trick-or-treating on Halloween night. In the other extreme, I remember one year in high school, I had a I watched horror movies with a bunch of buddies all night on Halloween. So I pretty much run the gamut in celebrating Halloween. <laughs> yeah, you had probably your your uh, your experiences were uh, wider than mine. Mine was pretty low key. Yes, yes, perhaps. So the sometimes low key can be good though. Sure. Do you do anything now with your kids in Halloween, Ben? Yeah, I mean we've dressed up and um, gone trick or treating around with the neighbors. Um, a couple years ago, my daughter went to a parents' day out at a church nearby, and they it was a big church, and they had a really big thing planned with hot dogs and and so we took the kids to that it was it was nice and one thing just because she thought it was cool because she was getting to go to her little school um and then now that we've got family that we live close to my family yeah uh, we had a get together last year at my grandpa's and made chili and hot dogs and that kind of thing and then walked around his neighborhood and then then we went back to our house and uh handed out some candy there so again low-key yeah, that sounds fun, though. So for us, you know, I think I did enjoy Halloween as a child. I know that for sure. But in some ways, I think I enjoy Halloween even more as an adult. I think it can be fun to help children to have that fun and to go along and see the joy that children are having. Uh, since getting married, that at very least since getting married, I've kind of done more of the trick-or-treating Halloween type stuff. You know, in Bible college, I don't think there was a lot of that. Uh, people generally avoided our college, I think, for candy because I think they kind of knew there was a gamut of perspectives on that. Uh, some more friendly to candy than others. Uh, but I think, you know, since getting married, moving off to seminary, graduating, moving on, I really I really enjoy the aspect of even giving out candy to kids. Uh, I Now, you know, as the kids are getting older, I really do enjoy taking the kids out uh, trick-or-treating as well every year. That, uh, you know, the funny thing with that is I, I actually also got to take Danielle trick-or-treating for the first time, and she was probably more excited about it than any of our kids have been about trick-or-treating when we uh when we got married and we had our oldest she went trick-or-treating for the first time but we don't really do scary stuff with it you know i definitely would never do what i would call the adult halloween and we'll talk about that more later probably but uh you know just have fun with it yeah yeah that's cool now, is celebrating Halloween Satan worship? Should I be uh, kind of put on some wood, a wood pile, and burned because of what I do? Uh, I may be close to it. I, I don't know. It might depend. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think it's Satan worship. Um, and I, you know more about the history of Halloween than I do. But um, I think the reality, even even some people think that that's that is the history. I'm not convinced that it is, but. 
most people today that that observe and participate in Halloween, they're not they're not thinking about Satan. Kind of like people today that are celebrating Christmas, they're not or Easter, they're not thinking that much about Jesus either. So, no, uh, I, th- I think it's a similar principle there. Yeah, yeah, I I do know some of the history, and I don't want to get overly into it because the reality is the history of Halloween is, is extremely complicated. If you watch it, there was a great special on the history of Halloween actually on the, on History Channel one time. You might enjoy watching it. It goes into some aspects of it, but uh, the you know there's some aspects to which the history of Halloween is connected to the Catholic Church, especially the Irish Catholic Church, uh, trick or treating especially really took off with the Irish immigration to the United States. And so in very a lot of ways it, it was originally seen and and the big celebration that we have now is traced more to uh, Irish American immigrants than it is to almost anything else. But uh, the but even then there I mean there's certainly some satanic, there's some cultic and pagan uh, rituals within Halloween, but there's also some things that trace to that to All Hallows Eve, you know, that All Saints the connection to All Saints Day uh, within the church for thousands years, but it's just a really incredibly complex uh, that uh, melding, uh, boiling witches, bu- bubbling, boiling witches pot, I guess one could say, <laughs> of different history coming into it. So I don't think it's just inherently one thing or the other. Uh, you know, some people do celebrate Satan on Halloween still today, uh, and certainly there are times in the past where false gods were celebrated on the day that we celebrate Halloween. But, you know, I think just as many Kids might dress up as as Buzz Lightyear, as in any sense, uh, exonerate Satan. <laughs> yeah. With that, I I want to ask. You know, we've established that uh, it's not completely worshiping Satan. Just you know, kind of ninety nine percent. I'm kidding uh, on Halloween. But are Christians then allowed to celebrate Halloween at all? Then I think so. I mean, it doesn't bother my conscience at all to do it. Um, and I think some of that's due to my upbringing, but even reflecting on it as an adult, um, I, I don't see that it's an issue. And I mean, just like I was saying a minute ago, most of the people that get involved in Halloween, they, you know, they're not having a seance. It's just an excuse to dress up and decorate or have a party and eat candy and stuff like that. Uh, no, yeah, there are some dark elements to it. And some people do take an unusual pleasure in you know, turning their yard into a corpse factory or something. I don't know, just strange things like that. I I don't quite get, but um, I think it is a matter of Christian liberty. And so people are free to do it. Um, I I think it's much more of a, a cultural costume day than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I one passage actually I think came to my mind with this question is Romans fourteen one through six. I'll read it briefly, fairly long, so I'll try to go quickly. As for the, in the one, King James, right? And the King James, of course. So, you know, you got to use the King James to combat combat that Satanism on Halloween. <laughs> As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despite advise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, uh, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And here, on verse 5 and 
and six, especially pay attention. I encourage listeners. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So I think that's a helpful passage. So I think in some ways, it's based upon that, based upon other things in Scripture. God can be honored and celebrated through abstaining from celebrating Halloween, or God can, in a humble sense, I think, and God can be honored through us use sanctifying the holiday. Uh, and I think in that, we can sanctify even the bad parts of it, because I think clearly it's hard to deny. If you're doing seances in Halloween, you probably should stop doing that. Uh, the And there are certainly bad things, but... Uh, much of it, uh, much of it, we can I think use and, and promote for the sake of the gospel, and uh, and use as opportunities to insert, uh, get to know our neighbors, and insert our gospel witness. And we'll talk more about that later. And I think a great comparison of that is Christmas. Reality is the far more pagan holiday is Christmas. If you look at the actual history. And, you know, and we can sanctify that in that kind of way that we sanctify Christmas. Uh, Christians can indeed abstain. You know, it's okay. If you're a Christian and you're uncomfortable with Halloween, feel free to avoid celebrating Halloween. But I do encourage us to be careful of legalism where Bible allows us freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I think maybe the, really the, the big thing you're getting at is that we should serve vegetables um, just to be safe if we're going to hand out candy, right? No. <laughs> yeah, I thought that deserves a simple response. <laughs> now, something uh, that also might deserve a simple response. Do we have to hand out those terrifying chick tracks? I think of uh, that we, we have a someone that uh, is a neighbor that moved on, moved away, actually, and neighbor that loves the Lord and that is from a different perspective and does indeed give out good candy to kids that always gives out these chick tracks as well. And and some of them are pretty terrifying. I remember one that uh, my daughter's gotten twice now. It shows a child painfully dying of some severe disease and, and then burning in hell afterwards. So do we have to do things like give out those terrifying chick tracks on Halloween? I think the more terrifying, the better. Um, no, I, I think if you, you want to to give tracks away, certainly do that. I think if you're going to do that, give some good candy too. Don't give junky stuff or only give those. Um, I, I think you're just hardening people when you do that. But I, I don't think that it's just like we don't – I don't think it's a, on our conscience to evangelize every single person that we meet. Now, some people say you do. I think most people agree, though, that there's just a time to do that. This you're not able to do that, or it's you know not wise. So I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think sanctifying the holiday. Uh, we should sanctify the holiday and use it for the sake of our outreach in some ways. But I think to sanctify the holiday of Halloween does not mean that we literally have to scare the hell out of kids. Right. Uh, the, and I'm using that word literally there. And I even think of other ways that it might be done. You know, I know of, uh, especially in the South, you'll find communities that will do a hell house in Halloween still to this day. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that is I wonder how helpful that is. You know, I praise the Lord if they're trying to get the gospel out, and that's wonderful if we ever try to get the gospel out. But I do question that methodology and how effective that's going to be, especially on a community celebrating day like Halloween. 
Yeah, and I, I brought up something one time in a group setting. Um, it wasn't a Halloween deal, but it was some sort of evangelism on a vacation Bible school, and they had a bunch of children, and they had uh, two barrels. One was labeled heaven, one was labeled hell, and then they gave each child a, uh, a card with their name on it. And then they went over to the hell barrel, and they set it on fire. And, and this is told to me by a professor. Um, and then they asked the kids, okay, now come put your name where you want to go. And so, well, of course, they they all put their thing in heaven. It's like, praise the Lord, we had a revival, you know. <laughs> and uh, the, and I, I mentioned this as like that's a bad example wow. of manipulating someone emotionally. And someone challenged me on it. He said, do you really think that's manipulating? Yeah. I mean, if, if hell's that way? And I said, well, yeah, I do. I believe in hell. But Jesus talked about hell more than anybody in the scriptures. Um, but I don't know that he ever used a, an object lesson quite like that. You know, put someone's face in the fire to you know let them know what it's going to yeah. be like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how can Christian families stand out on Halloween? I think dressing up like Martin Luther to answer the door. Um, or, you know, maybe maybe even dress up like the Pope, or you know, have ninety five theses nailed on your door. Um, nah. <laughs> Ooh, now, should we use that, some that of Martin Luther's insults um, while we're doing that? No, I think really making a point to love your neighbors, to reach out to them. Maybe, you know, you bake some sort of goodie or bring it over to their house, um, have them over, try to bless them. Um, I think obviously don't decorate your yard with death and decay and violence and destruction. Um, and just use it, though. Like maybe you do have a neighbor with some weird setup of you know, crazy Halloween stuff and just use it as an opportunity to, to talk and say, well, you know, why'd you pick this as opposed to this? And, you know, try to have spiritual conversations about those things. That's good. That's great. Uh, you know, I think sometimes uh, with you mentioned that, I, I certainly would agree that we need to be careful, you know, with the extreme exoneration and almost worship of death that can happen sometimes on Halloween and uh, of, of really that of horror elements. But, at the same time, I think there's elements in which we can be doing Halloween better than anybody else and how that can make us really stand out. I think in certain contexts, you know, we don't need to be, that's not the entirety of our witness, but perhaps for you, you feel that your that your house is more welcoming and you're more opening towards the neighborhood when you do go kind of all out. And I think one great example of this, I read an article uh, on desiringgod.org a couple of year, probably last year, and it was about a about a Christian, a pastor that uh, has a ministry where they give out king size candy bars every year to their neighbors, and uh, they and they do. I think they put a, a scripture verse with it, but they've been able to get to know people in their mm-hmm. neighborhood and share the gospel with people because you know people know that they love their neighbors. They know this pastor who they would have thought would be condemning this holiday is instead giving out this amazing king size <laughs> candy bars. You know. Uh, and uh, I think that's a great way to stand out. Another, you know, it can be Halloween can be an excellent opportunity, uh, but you don't need to make the neighbor neighbors mad through it. You know, I think an example of this is there was a street. Uh, what was the street? Uh, Hillcrest that, uh, was huge in Halloween in Louisville. I'm forgetting. You know, I remember the name of it. Hillcrest. I remember one year there was somebody on the street was a Christian and they had a, we were playing Christian rap uh, that was gospel centered. Uh, that was very clear in the gospel message while they were being very gracious and participating on Hillcrest. And so, you know, they're able to kind of use that to love on people and to, and to share the good news in some sense or another of King Jesus. Uh, 
Yeah. So I thought it was a great example of that kind of thing. But I think just in general, we can stand out by loving on people, but, but like what you said, by going that extra mile, by caring about our neighbors and by, you know, mm-hmm. showing the, our sincerity of our faith, I think, in that. Now, are there any dangers with American Halloween at all? Or is it just completely fine and, you know, hunky-dory? We should embrace this as kind of as the great and holy day of the Lord. Yeah, I think there are some dangers. Um, I mean, for one, wasting a bunch of time and money, at least from my perspective, um, and going crazy buying costumes and and decorations and, you know, just at this stage of life, that's just not something I'm going to do. I mean, is this the second most expensive retail holiday, like with sales around $7 billion uh, a year? Um, And sometimes I think it can, especially if if you're not on Hillcrest Avenue or what it was in Louisville, you know, and if you just have this huge setup in your yard and there's noises and lights, and sometimes it may just be annoying to your neighbors. When you have these big elaborate displays and sounds and lights, sometimes it can aggravate your neighbors, and, and that's not so so much of a good witness no you know there's no, another concern you could be eating candy that's not certified organic or you know that's loaded down with high fructose <laughs> corn syrup you know that that could be an issue um Uh-oh. <laughs> worry about that, but also yeah. just the fixation on darkness some people do it is like it gives them a, a chance every year to sort of dabble in that kind of stuff and sort of celebrate it and i think that is a little bit concerning yeah Absolutely. That uh, I think those are good points. I, I think another point, uh, when I talked a little bit earlier about this, about the adult version of Halloween, and I think more and I read an article not long ago that was saying that the average amount of money that a person spends on Halloween for their child has gone down slightly over the past, I think, 10 or 15 years, almost every year. But at the same rate, the overall spending has, has dramatically risen. And the reason why is because adult Halloween has become a thing. And uh, it's become an extraordinarily sexualized holiday, especially for, for adults. I mean, there are adult parties where intoxication reigns supreme that even Christians might uh, be invited to, or, you know, fornication and, and uh, all kinds of sexual sin. I mean, were costumes that uh, would not be, would be seen as too indecent and you'd probably get arrested to wear in public yeah. if it was any other day than Halloween uh, that might be bought and sold and uh, and venerated in that kind of way. And I think that is a huge danger, that example of sexualization. And, and I think that hurts us. And I think we can we need to be careful about, especially for adults that have kids that are getting at an age that might be invited that uh, might be invited to more of an adult type Halloween. We have to be very careful with them in that kind of way. Uh, but I do agree with you. You know, in terms of the evil stuff, I think obsession with fear, obsession with horror, is harmful both for ourselves and even more so for our kids. I don't think it's. I've. Seen, I remember I was at uh, the. I was at the zoo in Louisville where they kind of do a Halloween thing a couple years back, like four years ago maybe. And the I saw somebody had brought their kid, brought their like probably two or three year old kid in, in a saw outfit. And the uh, and the child could hear the child oh, saying uh, how excited they were to be in their saw outfit that year. And I just think it's blatantly <laughs> oh, inappropriate. And, and we need to be careful of that kind of thing. I, th- I think enjoying fear, enjoying gore, especially gore in that kind of way, is something that is not healthy. It is not uh, It is not wise. And I don't think that it is gospel-centered in the least. And I don't want to be legalistic, you know. Perhaps you, en- you enjoy 
dramatic elements of certain horror movies are in Halloween. And I think they're very different horror movies uh, from one end to another. But I think to just the light and being terrified is something that's not healthy and not God glorifying. Absolutely. Now I've got to terrify you a little bit right now. Then <laughs> You know how I might terrify you? I'm going to eat some celery. <laughs> You'll think I'm like possessed or something. I would think that you might need to go to the doctor. <laughs> now, are there any benefits of Christians participating in Halloween at all? I do think so. Um, I think because it is so culturally pervasive – um, and because most people, it's not, you know, devil day for them. I think it gives it a chance to interact with your neighbors and um, to bless them and, and and to be different in how you do it. Uh, but, you know, to show that light overcomes darkness. Um, but, yeah, and you and I were talking yesterday and I was talking to our student pastor here but just you know your neighbors are literally walking up to your door and I, you know i think this is mm-hmm. in the places we've lived since we've been married the neighbors are not out a lot and so you know maybe yes. years past you knew your neighbors better and that's i mean even you know generations before us that was a common thing and um that's that's very common less common now where people don't know their neighbors as much and so um it gives you a, a, an easy way to to get to know them and to love them Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I think there is so much truth in that. I mean, the world literally comes to you on Halloween. We don't have to go to our neighbors. The neighbors literally come to us on Halloween, which is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. uh, Yeah, and I think so. And that way, it's a great way to get involved in your neighborhood and to know your neighbor. I think one of the best ways of loving our neighbor, as the Bible calls us to love our neighbor, is to literally get to know and get plugged into things that our communities care about uh, for the sake of getting to love on our brothers. And one day over dinner, over coffee, sharing that glorious message of the gospel, not saying you'll theoretically do it but never do it, but actually making intentions with that and kind of just using that as one more step that you're going to be the neighbor that's joyful, that's kind, that opens the door and and enjoys uh, socializing with the with your neighbors, with kids, you know, and taking your kids to different homes and socializing with the older neighbors that don't have any children at home and loves to being delighted having children coming to their home. I think that it's just a wonderful opportunity for for Christians and participating in. And I think in a lot of ways when we participate in Halloween, it, one thing it can show to our non-Christian neighbors is that our faith is not inherently antagonistic. And I think that can be easily perceived uh, by lost people that, you know, Christians are that Christians hate us and you know that Christians these evangelicals these Christians all that they just want to condemn the world they don't really want to love on us and I think when we when we close our doors and close our close the blinds and turn off our lights on Halloween I think sometimes we can give that impression that we're just being antagonistic not to say that it's true but sometimes that can be the perception yeah and I mean you know at least in America and I think elsewhere too Christians tend to be socially conservative and then so sometimes that can be the sometimes this can be the reality sometimes it can just be the perception but it's like we're more defined by what we're against than what we're for and so this is just another see look at those Christians they're just railing against something else that we do and like and you know they just think no one should ever have fun and you know that kind of thing yeah absolutely and I think that's a valid consideration for this kind of thing. Uh, now, should churches then 
uh, as you know, because there is clearly some problems in Halloween, should churches create their own alternative Halloween celebrations? And uh, by this, I'm going to assume their alternative Halloween celebrations do not have those kind of risque outfits or <laughs> or, or, or punch that's a spike to the brim. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're free to. Um, I think though, to to do it well. You'd really need to be intentional um, to make it an outreach event and really encourage and train and push your your people to to invite their neighbors and their friends and their coworkers and this kind of thing um, instead of just making it a a thing for the church folks that nobody really knows about and it's just a yeah. um, kind of putting a few more bricks on the wall of the fortress. Um, it can give mm-hmm. that impression, which I think a lot of times when churches do it, they do invite people. Um, and and especially if you do something in the church parking lot and if you have a church that's in a residential area, it's going to bring people in because they're like, hey, look, it's just, you know, candy yeah. everywhere. And if you put, you know, More bounce candy. houses out there and those kinds of oh, things. Yeah, and yeah. So I think it can be done well. Um, I think, yeah. you know, part of me is like just go big or go home and like be really counterculture and do some sort of reformation thing. Um, you know, it. I think – maybe some context that would work. Like I'm thinking of my church in Louisville, we were in a neighborhood and I mean, Louisville has a lot of Catholic influence. Um, yeah. and we were in a neighborhood with probably many Catholics and, and we also had many Jewish people and probably new agey people, but, um, it probably would not have played well for us to have like some sort of reformation kind of thing. Um, it just would have sort of seemed like in your face antagonistic. Yeah. Um, and I think we did some, some things where we had it, people's trunks open up in the the parking lot and games and hot dogs and and it did bring some people in but yeah i think it can be good like you said for the sake of bringing people in but you know what i fear is as often i think things like this can be communicated and and even when we don't intentionally communicate things how what we are unintentionally communicating that, uh, which is to suggest that uh, Christians do best on Halloween by not being in their neighborhood, but being at the church, and mm-hmm. that you know they need to, they can't participate in their neighborhood, but instead they have to do this more holy version of a thing at church, which I'm not, I'm not sure if that has a right understanding of, of secular and sacred in that kind of way, uh, but you know I think this ends up hinders hindering sometimes our people from being a light to their neighborhood, especially if we have, you know, if we have people that are in the neighborhood and that all of our members are kind of within a short radius of the church, I think there can be some elements of them seeing that it's just another factor of celebrating the neighborhood. But I think when we're encouraging, whether implicitly or explicitly, our neighbors that, you know, you need to show up and, and help and participate and, you know, run a game for this activity at our church on Halloween rather than being at home. I think that it can disable them. I can disable and stand in the way of them being able to be a healthy gospel witness on Halloween in their neighborhood. Yeah, I think it just depends on the situation um, and the setting and, and all of that. There's a lot of factors that can go yeah. into it. Um, but yeah, uh, and then that's just, you know, one thing for, and that's kind of, our church kind of moved away from doing a Halloween alternative for those reasons because of our situation. How can parents then help their children understand and engage in the culture around Halloween? You know, I think showing them we're people of the light, we're people of the day, um, and that the light outshines the darkness. But also I think you can have fun and enjoy it and um, talk about the elements that you see um, around 
culturally, it's going to prompt questions, but you can also address those on the front end um, as you think of them. And um, just be honest with them, but don't have a condescending attitude and, you know, railing against the, those people in the world and, um, you know, yeah. talk about what you do and, and why you do it. That's good. And I think this is really, this time of year becomes an extraordinarily good time, uh, a helpful time to talk to our kids about how we can love our neighbor that uh, and the importance of Christians loving those who are around them and even to enjoy a, that, even to show them that it's okay and even good to enjoy a community night with lost kids, that we don't have to be these set-apart people. We don't have to be the people that want nothing to do with non-Christians, that, you know, that treat them like lepers. And But instead, we can befriend them. We can love them. We can celebrate things that they celebrate with them, you know, as long as we are careful. And we can even use these time, times even more to teach just how important it is to open up your home, to love upon those who are close to you that might have a very different worldview than you it's true yeah it's good how can parents uh, also use the season to teach their children about darkness and evil should they kind of just have them watch all of the saw movies at three years old <laughs> yeah like your your friend at the zoo um i mean i think unless you board up your windows and you don't leave your home for a month or so then you're going to see decorations and even some pretty scary stuff or just strange stuff. Um, and so I think use the questions that naturally come out of that um, and be proactive to ad address them um, as well. And just to talk about the reality of evil. Um, but hopefully they already know about sin and the sin in their own hearts because of conversations that you're, you've had with them through discipline and, and through teaching at church and, um, family worship and all kind of things and just know that evil is real and it's not just an out there thing it's an in you problem um, that's great you know and, and that also sin causes people to focus on and to do bad things uh, but jesus is stronger than that and he wins and um yeah i think it can be a, a an effective teaching time without being you know condescending uh, or angry or fear-mongering or something like that yeah that's good that's exactly right i think i think there's a lot of good points there you know and in this i think it's okay and i think there's even some benefits of having a time of awareness of death and the evil in the world and to let that guide you know your family worship like you're talking about and and help kids have a biblical understanding of death as well as the evil and darkness the spiritual darkness that is real in the world that is like you said also in them uh, so then how can churches address halloween with clarity but christian liberty do they need to make sure that you know they they make xerox copies and gigantic life-size printouts of those hell illustrations <laughs> um i think don't be dogmatic about it and, and persecute someone because they do or they don't celebrate and this is a different topic but it's it's similar with christmas and santa claus and you know we've done an episode about that so go back and check it out uh, i think it was episode two um but i remember when you and i worked at the same place in indiana that you were having a conversation with someone at lunch and from what i was told i didn't see it or hear it but someone told me about it that 
you just someone asked you if which, if you did Santa Claus with your kids and you said no and the person like flipped out on you and was like I can't believe it. it was like you know condemning you for not doing Santa Claus which is kind of the reverse of what you expect but um, I think just having um, a gracious spirit about it and don't further the fortress mentality um, you know I mean let's remember Matthew sixteen eighteen. Jesus says that the gates of Hades will not prevail, will not overcome the church that Jesus builds. And, you know, gates are not typically offensive weapons. And so um, it can be easy for us and easy for me to sort of go into the fortress mentality, but instead we're supposed to be on the offensive and spreading the light. Uh, And so I think, and and to just preach the gospel. So That's really good. I think churches should not celebrate fear and darkness to be culturally relevant. I think this is an area where it probably should go without saying, but you know, I think with both Halloween and Christmas, you get churches that uh, will go overboard in cultural engagement and will just kind of be a, a parody almost of the secular world around them mm-hmm. for the sake of trying to kind of embrace the world around them. I, more often in liberal churches, you'll see that kind of thing. Uh, you know, and I think with that, you do need to be careful, I think, in some kind of things. You know, I would strongly discourage, especially children's ministry workers, from doing like a ghost craft and, and a children's church or a Sunday school uh, during Halloween time. It should it maybe goes without saying, but, you know, I think it's a helpful reminder to avoid those kind of things, especially to respect those who have different views. You know, I would highly discourage even having a time, perhaps, um, that a Sunday school teacher might think it would be a good idea on Halloween to uh, incur- ask all the kids to dress up and have a costume contest. And I don't think that's a wise idea for the sake of, not uh, one, not celebrating that darkness, but also showing liberty to those who disagree. Uh, but uh, I think that it is also also a time that uh, to teach children about loving your neighbor again you know just like with parents I think if you're if we're going to do anything with our children's ministries at our church or our ministries in general to talk about Halloween we talk about how we engage with our neighbors and love our neighbors around these holidays that we might not be thrilled with right that's yeah focus again you know instead of you know, this is how why Halloween is evil and why we should you know burn all the witches build the Right. <laughs> so how can Christian families also celebrate the greater holiday this year? Uh, and by the greater holiday this year, I'm, I'm thinking about – I've got a new mug that I got from Southern Seminary. It's just, it says Reformation 500 on it, referring to the 500th year anniversary of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses on Wittenberg door. So that's kind of the start of the Reformation. How can churches – how can Christian families celebrate that greater holiday this year? Uh, you know, eat a pork schnitzel and some sauerkraut nice. and, uh, and and do the monk haircut, you know, like the, the like the reverse bowl cut thing. Um, you know, that would be pretty cool. Um, I, I think that if you thank God for the, the crisis that Martin Luther had and God's work to help him recover the gospel for the church and, and for the world. Um, I mean, not that it was ever completely lost, but you know, a lot that was being put out by the church at the time was uh, damning. And so through the, the clarity that he had on justification by faith alone uh, and, and the return to the scripture and, and all that, just thanking God for that um, and, and teach your kids about what happened. I mean, there are some good resources out there that talk about it. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. He's a Lutheran historian, but he's written a lot of books that are intended for kids and they have pictures and things that talk about different figures in Christian history. I want to say his name is 
Paul somebody, which, I mean, you know, being named Paul somebody is appropriate for a Lutheran, but um, I cannot remember his last name. But anyway, I think just, yeah, tell him about those things. And then, I mean, maybe even use it as an opportunity to talk about with some other family over dinner and just, you know, they probably don't know if they're not Christians and maybe even if they are, um, and maybe try to share the gospel and, you know, why it was such a big deal. That's really good, yeah. And uh, while I'm thinking about books to, to not forget, I'm not sure what those what the last name of that author you're referring to is. I think I know what books, but a couple books I think to encourage parents and right during this time either it might be helpful in helping your kids understand the Reformation. Uh, Michael Reeves has a new little book called Freedom Movement. 500 Years of Reformation. That's kind of a little book, and it's it's meant for kids as well as adults. Uh, the I think it's a really good resource, published by a great deal of uh, publishers together, actually, kind of, and mm. meant to be a way to even reach out to people uh, and explain what the Reformation was about. Another really great resource that I, we just got our children, especially for young children, and the previous one I think is for older children, Friedman Movement is. But the Reformation ABCs was the recently released uh, a book, and it kind of captures some different aspects of, of church history of, of the reformers, and I think it's incredibly helpful for children to understand what the Reformation was and what it did. So it doesn't even just t- tell, you know, people's stories, but it tells us kind of about what happened at the Reformation. And so those are some helpful ways, I think, in terms of book reading. I think we do teach our kids what, not just the history of the Reformation, but the beautiful doctrines that the Reformation leaders like Martin Luther, John Calvin, people like that, Ulrich Zwingli, fought for, that they, some in some cases, even people gave their lives for, which, and some of these, some of these great truths have been preserved and referred to as the solas, uh, sola fide, by salvation is by faith alone. Uh, that uh, sola gratia, which is salvation is by grace alone, and sola scriptura, which means that our source of authority is scripture alone. Those are the three original solas that were kind of connected to the Reformation. And I think teaching those beautiful truths that when we add to the gospel, we subtract from the gospel. And that is what the Reformation was about, that we add, when we add, we actually subtract. Mm. And I think this is one of those times we should teach that church history. And teach theology because theology is important and these men and women died that endured suffering endured exile because they knew that theology especially theology of salvation was important so you know and maybe even a practical way, you know, it might be that fun thing to might to do for celebrating the Reformation, maybe even act out the life of Martin Luther with your kids at one point. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, be sure to enjoy yourself uh, one of those Snickerese's uh, combination peanut butter cup things that I was talking about earlier. And we hope that you've enjoyed our podcast. We hope you don't pick at us, you know, boycott us because of our stance on Halloween. You know, maybe turn out the lights and turn mute on the uh, speaker so you don't have to hear us anymore. Please don't. Yeah, please <laughs> and we hope that you do enjoy celebrating the great history of 500 years of Reformation. And thank you for joining us. Uh, you can follow me at, uh, An- at Anthony Tresoni on Twitter. And you can follow Ben at, at Ben Palaz on Twitter as well. And we encourage you as well to like our podcast on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes to share it with those who you know and love. Even tell a friend about our podcast. Amen.